Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my now frozen companion, Ben Baumhaber. How are you doing, Ben? Oh my gosh, I wish I actually was frozen because it's getting really hot out these days. <laughs> And of course, if you don't know what I'm referring to, today, the day we recorded, mm-hmm. uh, Dungeons & Dragons announced their brand new adventure in Icewind Dale. Yeah, I am pretty, pretty cool. really looking forward to this. I, I haven't had a chance to dig in super deep yet, but I mean, first of all, I actually am a, a very big fan of just the whole... Um, forgotten realms like play area and everything because of the drist books and everything but i mean the idea of anything having to do with icewind dale is has got me like incredibly excited for this and uh i i'm really looking forward to when it comes out yeah that would be um a a fun one to play it's apparently a very hefty like 320 pages and a chunk of that is like bestiary which is always fun for me because i love new monsters absolutely love new monsters so even if i don't like buy the adventure on D D beyond i'll probably grab the bestiary pack since you can buy them piecemeal mm-hmm. just because it's more more goodies for me to throw <laughs> throw against my players and uh one of the things chris perkins was mentioning uh during during one of his interviews was that the monster manual and a lot of the other stuff they had done they, they've got a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but they had not really fleshed out any sort of winter northern, you know, that type of climate monsters. So this apparently fills in that hole that, uh, that they've had up until and this point. So here's the fun thing is, is uh, me being me and being a DM who wants to share everything, uh, I did pre-order it already. And uh, hey, I already have the set of digital dice that are available with it, which is the Glacier one. So woohoo! Uh, I am more excited about the dice that aren't even uh, real. <laughs> and no one can even see yet. Yeah. Besides you. Exactly. But I mean, hey, you know what? They're fun. They are fun. It is. That, that was a great feature that D&D Beyond added mm-hmm. for, for free for everybody is, is all the dice stuff. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's uh, D and D Live is going on right, like right now as of as of record. There's new stuff Friday and Saturday. Uh, I can't wait to go back and watch some of the live games they're mm-hmm. doing, just because time is the concept that <laughs> eludes that's a me. Really, really good way of putting it. Quite <laughs> so, often, and yeah. so. I mean, if any of the uh, the other D and D live stuff that's happened in the past two years is any indication, they're going to be some really good, fun, entertaining games. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited forward to seeing some of that. Plus, they they got some really cool uh, celebrity cameos playing. Oh, yeah. uh, David Harbor, yeah, I playing. know. <laughs> Super cool, Brandon Ruth, Superman slash Captain Adam himself is is playing so that'll Mm -hmm. that'll be super fun and it'll be super fun to see if like we just went out and got some big names who are who are just wanted to have fun and learn D &D, or it's just like these people know how to play and these are like the closet D &D players 
exactly. you, you never heard of, but they're just like, oh yeah, old pros, and the games just turn out to be super awesome. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I think it'll like, be super fun. Even more so, I'm just incredibly excited that Deborah Ann Wall is back to DM because she has some absolutely amazing plot lines and stories, and like I've loved some of the stuff that she's done. Like, did you ever um, see her? How? Oh, Jesus, I want to say relics and rarities. Relics and rarities. That's what it relics was. and rarities. Very, very good. Just like a little six, eight episode mm-hmm. kind of mini series, Geek and Sundry did. Fantastic, absolutely yeah. fantastic. There's like a new guest every every single episode um she even gets charlie cox for who plays daredevil yep into to to do one of the episodes which is super awesome they all they all a lot of these people the the guests at least had no idea how to play Mm -hmm. and so they brought them in they kind of teach them as they go and uh they all do a great job it's super super fun i I gotta say the kevin smith episode was great and just how like excited and giddy he got by realizing that they could do anything and he's just like well let's go have this person do this thing and and stuff it's just it's it's really neat to see people who like create for a living go into an environment where they're able to just have fun and create experiences together and stuff and i i'm super excited to see this stuff so yep so that's that's our that's our that's our plug for dnd live yeah it's it's cool for us because it's, it's new content. It's new things to talk about. And hopefully, as, and this is, this is something that we haven't really been able to do as much as of yet. Hopefully, uh, at some point, we'll be able to start doing like actual module reviews a little bit, talking about the, mm-hmm. those type of things if you end up wanting to run them yourself or what makes them interesting um, or as new books come out eventually being able to talk about those shortly after release and kind of give our, our thoughts and reviews and stuff. So yeah, it's coming eventually. Eventually. Yes. We just need the time to be able to read the book cover to cover and then we can talk about it. No problem. Nope. That's why they pay us the big bucks. Wait, you're getting paid for those. Yep. You're not. Wow. Well, Oh crap. This is, <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> In fact, I'm actually paying for the site and everything. So what's up with that? Oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid nothing. We get, we get paid nothing. We do this, we do this for the, the, pure, the pure joy of, of D&D because we I just mean, can't. Honestly, we, we get together and we talk about D&D anyways. So we were just like, we might as well just do a podcast. Maybe it'll be useful for somebody. Yeah, there's, there's not enough time in the world to talk about as much as we want to, actually. So, hey, might as well record it and throw it out there for people to enjoy. That's cool. right. And speaking of that, let's jump into tonight's topics. Ooh. So we kind of teased this a little bit last week. And so this week, in, our, in kind of our DM perspective, we're going to jump into in-game economy. Uh, TBK, you say. <laughs> economy? That sounds ridiculously boring. It sounds and like a class I had my senior year in high school. Yeah. Crazy tedious. Is that, isn't that the one that I fell asleep during? That was government. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep, it's, all, it's all kind of the same. But no, this is, this is D&D. This is, this is very interesting. Mm-hmm. So to, to start off, uh, economy is very weird and can differ 
wildly mm-hmm. from game to game. The Dungeon Master's Guide gives a tiny bit of guidance. Tiny bit of guidance. And that's pretty much it. So if, if you look, there is a, uh, in Chapter 7, there is a, of the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's a chapter on treasure. And under the magic item section, it starts talking about the different magic items. And uh, very shortly after the, the introduction, it starts talking about magic item rarity. And so this is pretty much the only guidelines you get from the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, you basically have your common rarity, uh, character level first or higher, 50 to 100 gold. Uncommon rarity, first or higher, 101 to 500 gold. Rare, 501 to 5,000. Very rare, 5,000 to 50,000. Legendary, 50,000 and up. That is super specific mm-hmm. and definitely tells you how much everything should be. It doesn't. Not at all. And it's, it, the, <laughs> the values are so stinking wide that it's it, it, and there's no prices on individual items. They don't like, they don't label these items with prices when they come, they Not just have all. rarities. And so it is a lot of this falls on the dungeon master to figure out a, a decent guide to how they want their economy to work. And you can figure this out at any point in your campaign, but it really helps if you have time and, and the foresight to do it is try and figure it out a little bit before you start. Like, do I want a, is this going to be a magic heavy campaign or a magic item heavy campaign versus uh, a lower magic campaign? Are magic items going to be incredibly easy to find or are they going to be hard to find? Are uh, things like healing potions very run of the mill? You can pretty much find them anywhere. Are they a little harder to find? Are like, common uncommon maybe even rare magic items you could walk into any shop magic shop in any city and they'd be like oh yeah just pick the common or uncommon magic item you want we mm-hmm. got it it's not a big deal or are are they a lot harder than that to find and so laying those ground rules for yourself can really make things easier on you and help you set expectations with your players because this gets in a lot to um, what you want to make magic items and just items in general worth, how much gold you're going to give out. Because the coolest thing about being the DM is you control the faucet. Mm -hmm. You control the faucet of magic items. You control the faucet of gold. And so you can it's fairly easy to cor- correct yourself essentially if you overdo it or underdo it. Um, so you can, there's a, there's a lot of room to, to play in this whole system, but Ben, how do you, how do you usually go about doing your economy stuff? Well, um, if it's the first session that is not just the standalone that we decided, Hey, let's continue this on and everything. Um, I am, I, I go into it sorely underprepared and really screw up like badly. 
like so much so basically uh, uh they you know went into a magic shop and i was super happy because i'm like i made up a character for it it's a, a fun little concept for a shop and everything like that and i'm like okay this is great and uh, ended up, you know, selling someone a uh, cloak of protection for like maybe a hundred gold or something like that, like way less than it should have been. And uh, I enchanted some weapons. I'm just thinking, I'm like, yeah, I'm helping out. You know, this is fun and everything. And then realized, oh my god, I just gave them all this stuff for essentially free. <laughs> well. I added it to the backstory of the shopkeeper that uh, she used to be an adventurer. And when she sees other adventurers, she gives them a pretty heavy discount if they're just starting out. So that part was taken care of. And then from there, I kind of started building things up, uh, you know, kind of really looking at the rarity. And I kind of went off of the, the, the DMG to figure out, you know, kind of pricing like the ranges and stuff. And then like I, I went about it in such like a kind of a, a, a micro level as opposed to a macro level, because to me, the idea of, you know, a, a shop that sells magic items or whatever, it's going to be really, you know, kind of a, uh, um, uh, shoot, I demand and whatever I for stock supply and demand. demand, supply and demand. Thank you. I couldn't think go. of the word supply. Um, so I'm trying to think, okay, well, the sorts of things that she would have in the shop and everything like, are the people around there, is it something that they would actually want? You know, would they be a lower price? Is it something that's useful? Is it just something that's just really cool? And, you know, I, I kind of started working with that with some of those magical items. And then I had the idea of, okay, well, I'm just going to do the whole, hey, this is what she has in her shop with some items. We'll see what happens. Worked out pretty well. Now they're in a very, uh, an entirely different section of, of the, the region and everything. And they haven't gone to a magic shop yet, but I have plans in place for this because they're, you know, it's a different environment. So the prices could be wildly different based on what's going on. So for me, I don't have like a world economy set up, but kind of really limited and go off of, you know, region based and, and things that are going on. Like would this area of the world have a lot of magical items? Is this area wealthy, you know, just for economy overall, what are the prices for, you know, like rooms and, and things like that, um, food, that sort of thing. And then I kind of, you know, put the icing on the cake when I figure out loot for different, uh, different things that are going on. Like the dungeon that they just went through, um, there was a whole bunch of gold and platinum in there as a reward because the big bad evil guy who was in there would have a lot of gold and platinum. You know, I can't skimp on it just to be all like, well, it's going to break the economy. It's like, no, he would have that. So they have some gold, which is good. I'm, I'm actually happy for them to not have to worry too much about money, but still not be able to, you know, go in and buy, you know, an entire you know, city worth of, of magic items or something. So being able to really kind of control what's in stock helps out a whole lot in that as well. Oh yeah, totally. And that, and that's, that's the thing to re to remember is you control what's in stock. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's a few different ways to go about it. And I, I do kind of a, a similar thing. I don't have necessarily an overarching economy in the campaign I run, but I have, um, I have like markers and I have, um, high level stuff 
that that lets me that lets me figure out what I want to do easier. Mm-hmm. So I I I've got all my all my towns and cities and stuff labeled so I know okay this is a smaller town uh it's got a magic shop but it's very basic probably wouldn't sell anything beyond uh uncommon or yeah. anything beyond like level 1 spell scrolls just normal stuff. This is a huge city they may have some more stuff um and there's a few ways you can go about it. One you can pre-populate the magic shop and the magic shop owner can say, Hey, I have X, Y, and Z for sale. Mm -hmm. These are the prices. If you want to get it great. Um, The other way to go about it is to have your players tell you, Hey, I would like to buy X, Y, or Z. And then you can go look at those and say, okay, Sure, this item, this place would have. This item, this mm-hmm. place would have. But this item, this place would not have. And this is also a great way, way to go about things because one, it allows you to keep magic items that could unbalance things or that are too powerful or too expensive or mm-hmm. whatever out of, out of the economy, out of the world. And two, it allows you to let your players buy stuff they actually want. Yes. Which is, it's, it's, that's a pretty important thing to do as well. And so I found uh, in a lot of the games I run, that's normally the method, like some, some places I'll have like they, a traveling salesman type guy or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, here's, here's your limited selection. But normally if they're, especially like in my capital city or whatever, it's much more a, what are you looking for? The player tells me, and then I tell them, cool, that's this expensive and they have it or they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And even on top of that too, if the shop doesn't have it, they can offer to make it or they can offer to you know find one or track one down or something along those lines. So- or it turns into a quest to find yeah. material for them to make it or find a specific or hunt a specific beast for its hide or, you Mm -hmm. know, that type of thing. So you can actually, especially with more powerful stuff, turn that into actual story points. And then that makes that item feel that much better for the, for the player to get. Exactly. They've actually put something into it. Exactly. So like kind of breaking away from magical items and everything. um, There is actually another section in the DMG that does talk about, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, gold sinks and things that you can do. It, and it comes a lot with uh, like downtime in between adventures. So, you know, if uh, your party's gone through, they've actually, you know, beaten the big bad evil guy and they've got thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of gold. That's a whole lot of gold, by the way. Um, you know, you can do different things like, you know, building a stronghold, you know, give them the idea, the the option to you know uh create their own like fort or a castle or something small like a house or you know if they're uh, of some sort of you know like um holy you know class like a paladin or a a cleric or something build an abbey um you know if they want to have their own business make like a trading post out on the road or something you know there you have uh, different options of different things that you can do and in uh, chapter six there's a, a big section about, you know, construction costs, how much time and things like that. 
but there's also a different breakdown of like if they actually already do have a place that they live or a guild hall or something there's uh different costs like per day you know like the upkeep for these things um and you know there's a a whole bunch of different um you know tables and charts for you know how many hirelings they have if they're skilled if they're untrained how much they cost like per day and everything um as well as you know uh pricing for building uh, for crafting, whether it's like magical items or something else. Um, there's carousing. If you want to do that, <laughs> they have, uh, you know, well, actually not really a gold thing in there, but it's, it's fun to do. But, um, well, then again, carousing probably does cost gold, but, uh, you come up with that price. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the DMG does have, you know, some extra stuff on there. If you're really looking for some good gold sinks. Um, one other thing though, that's, it, to me the, the the thing is it's like okay well you know here is your your money you know so you have a copper piece the you know silver piece gold piece electrum which no one ever uses uh platinum um in my mind i had to kind of get to the point where i'm actually equating that to something that i understand so i can kind of give it a value and then from that point that's kind of how i choose my prices on different things so even though there's a range for like say an uncommon item what is it actually really worth if I were to like bring it into the real world? So for me, I just made it really simple with, with, which is uh, a copper piece is a buck. Silver piece is 10 bucks. Gold piece, hundred bucks, you know, and just kind of keep going up from that point. And so far it's kind of helped me, uh, you know, not exactly reel in prices, but have a more of a realistic idea of, okay, how much would this be? You know, like if they're out and they need to buy a, um, a carriage or something, it's like, okay, a hundred gold. Does that seem really weird? Well, it's a wooden carriage, thousand bucks. Yeah. I could see that as a good price and, you know, go with that. Whereas, you know, if they are in a, a, a tavern for like two or three days or something, like depending on how nice the tavern is, a gold might be good. Um, versus if it's a really crappy place, you know, few silver. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Equating equating the uh, money the money to values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really really good idea, in kind of working it to keep keep things straight in your head, for sure. Yeah, I'll tell you, it really helped a whole lot when they got to the city. I'm like, oh, I got to figure out how much it is per you know like the, this inn that they're going to. They surprised me and they said, we're gonna stay for a week. I'm like. Oh, okay. And then there's six rooms and then, and, uh, well, my, my 10 multiplier screwed up a couple times. And instead of 55 gold, I'm like, it's 5,500 gold. No. Ah! That's the yeah, little different there, <laughs> but as long as you got the math down, right, it works out pretty well. Or if you're really looking to drain some extra cash from your players. <laughs> yeah. Very true. There's that as well. Yeah. But no, um, as, as Ben's talking about, that's, those are, those are basically kind of money sink or maintenance activities because there are going to be times when either you accidentally give them too much money or Mm -hmm. just because of the crazy things they have done, they're going to get a lot of money. And so having, making sure that you are prepared to have gold sinks um, and, and not just magic items because mm-hmm. if someone's like, dude, I've got like 20 or 30,000 gold. Like I want to go buy a magic item. That's, you know, insane. 
and you're level seven or eight and it's just like you're getting into the very rare (laughs) type type (laughs) category of these incredibly powerful things maybe maybe you let them do it uh, because you gave them that much gold (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but also you want to make sure that you have other really cool things for players to spend gold on besides just magic items. Like, like Ben was talking about uh, housing player housing is a huge one that you can basically take from zero to infinity mm-hmm. as far as, as far as costing goes uh, for maintaining uh hiring people upkeep type stuff there's there's all sorts of things you can do for housing and players love housing i love giving players out like (laughs) it's it's cool it's cool for especially if your your party's been together a while for them to have a place to call home or you know Mm -hmm. home base uh and it's just just a really really cool idea so you you've got that type of thing um yeah, and even more so too, like if you know they they you you do that time or that that money sink and everything, and then they end up with a ton more. You can totally Tom Nook them and be like, "Hey, I can add another room or a, a second floor to this if you want." Yeah, you can even make the NPC's name Tom Nook. Yeah, or in or, fact, uh, you probably should. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah. Now it's 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 not. Uh, it's not super straightforward at first, but if you, if you give it a little bit of thought, I mean, you don't need, you don't need to build out some crazy massive economic model for your entire D and D world. You could, if you wanted to, and if that's your thing, do it. It's not my thing. And Mm -hmm. so just coming up with a, a few guidelines, like, like Ben was talking about with his, dollars to to currency type ratios and coming up with uh a few guidelines for your magic items how you're giving gold how much gold you're going to give based on the pricing that you're wanting to charge for things or what things are actually available in your world that's a good way to to go about things personally i like I like giving my players, and this is this is another thing. I we we touched on it a little bit, a little bit last time. Um, the whole specific loot versus table roll loot, and so that can also really affect your economy in a lot of ways because table roll loot can be anything. Like if your player gets lucky and rolls really high on the right table, they could get some super insane item. Maybe it's awesome and maybe it makes them super strong or maybe it's really nice, but they don't want to use it. And so they try to go sell it. And now you're stuck with them trying to sell this (laughs) super, super nice expensive thing (laughs) that you, you had no idea was going to, was going to happen. And so that's, that's just a consideration for, for when you do random loot tables. Sometimes, and I, I've been in games that have done both, sometimes you, you get something and it's just super cool. You might not have ever gotten it otherwise. 
and it ends up being really useful or really neat. Uh, more often than not, I found that I got a bunch of stuff that wasn't really that useful or I didn't use that much. And so my style more is a, a little more targeted magic items. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that my party will enjoy and can actually use. Um, and then they can supplement that with their gold and with, Hey, does that, sh would I be able to find this at a magic shop? Would I be able to find this at a magic shop? And I found so far at least that that seems to, my, my players seem to enjoy that style because it's cool to find things that you can use versus yeah. finding random stuff that no one in the party can actually use or actually wants. So exactly. that's, that's a consideration to take in mind as well. Yeah. And uh, so talking about selling a magic item in, in chapter six of the DMG, it actually does have a section for selling magic items. And it's the idea of, you know, how long it would take to actually find a buyer, you know, if they're going to be offering you, you know, like just a 10th of what it's actually worth and things. So you can actually really have fun and, and play around with that. And I mean, you can randomize all that too, because they've actually got D, you know, D4, D6, D10, and there's a D100 modifier in there. So you can play around with it too. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, any other economy thoughts, Ben? Any other, other tips before we, before we move on? Uh, not exactly, but um, I mean, if, if the thing is, if the thing is, the thing is, if your players have some gold and they want something and there's nothing that's actually, you know, fitting that description or something, you can talk to them and, and try to figure something out and then homebrew something after that and just kind of, you know, play around with it. And again, come up with your own cost and just, uh, you know, be creative, have fun. That's what this game's all about. Yep, for sure. And we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, once we get to our community content shout out as it actually has uh, to do specifically with this kind of thing. Yep. But before we get there, um, moving over to our player perspective, we're going to talk a little about the paladin, Ooh. those beacons of justice <laughs> and law and might. Well, most of them. Most of them. <laughs> Not all of them. And we'll talk about that too. Uh, Paladins, super, super fun class. Uh, this is, this is, there's a lot of variation in this class. You can go for straight on like damagey, intimidation type person. You can go more for the tank protector, um, savior stalwart type build. Or you can mix it up and uh, paladins really actually have a decent bit of utility mm -hmm. as well. Um, they are one of the, I, I'd say tankiest. Um, they're one of the classes with the highest potential health pools as they get D10 for their, their hit dice. Um, and they have uh, a lot of, quite a few subclasses now uh yeah they being kind brand of, new from theros they've they've popped up way more than i last actually looked i was uh, surprised to see as many as there are right now which is great so baseline baseline pallies um 
you don't actually from level one get spell casting. You don't mm-hmm. get your spell casting actually until level two, which is kind of interesting. Um, if you fully go into Paladin, you'll be able to be casting fifth level spells uh, by the end end of the day. They've got a few unique things uh, about them. Their biggest one being their divine sense, uh, and you can you can basically sense celestials, fiends, undead. Uh, as you basically extend your consciousness out, uh, which can be very useful or end up being uh, completely worthless, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the, the type of campaign you're running. Um, the other big thing they have, and this one is just so cool, is lay on hands. And so this is one of my favorite mechanics of the class because you basically have this pool of healing and you can choose when and how much of it to expend. And so every level you take in Paladin, you get five points of healing in your lay on hands Mm -hmm. and you can restore. If you touch a creature, you can restore as many or as few hit points as you want. Or, and this is a really cool thing too, you can spend five hit points from your, from your pool and cure the target of a disease or neutralize a poison, which is kind of a cool effect to be able to do without a spell. And yes. so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of really um, handy situations that, that that can come up in. Yeah, unless you're a dwarf paladin and then you're resistant to poison anyway, but you know, your buddies might not be. So it's really handy to have. But uh, I will say one of the other big things that uh, paladins get, which was the entire bane to my existence when I ran a one shot when our our friend was uh, visiting and uh, I was playing a beholder and it was great because, hey, beholders have all these I-beams that come out and you have to make saving throws. But then we had a paladin in the group who had an aura of protection, which just really screwed Paladin auras are pretty cool. <laughs> they're the there, and there's several, there's several paladin auras. Why don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about yeah. the, the paladin auras, Ben? Yeah, so there's the aura of protection. And uh, it's any friendly creature within 10 feet of you who makes a, or uh, who has to make a saving throw. Uh, if they're within 10 feet of you, they get your charisma modifier as a bonus with a minimum of a plus one. So if you've got, you know, a, a 20 in your charisma, that's a plus five to their saving throw, whatever it is. And again, when you're going up against a beholder, that pretty much nullifies a lot of the stuff. Everybody grouped around the paladin and I couldn't do crap to them, which great. That's awesome. And they were able to survive pretty easily, but it's one of those uh, auras or one of those things that, I mean, you need to stay on top of if you are the paladin, you need to make sure that people around you know this. And if, if you're not letting them know and they miss it, then it's 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 on you just keep this in mind it is one of the most powerful things that you have and it starts at level six it's a huge huge deal yep um starting at level 10 you get another aura which is the aura of courage and here's the thing any friendly creature who's within 10 of 10 feet of you just can't be frightened just that's it that's that's pretty awesome yeah you go fight a dragon guess what 
frightened doesn't matter as long as they're within 10 feet of you of course then you got the breath weapon but you know still that's it's it's uh it's all to get them clumped up (laughs) exactly it's all the it's all to clump them up it's it's (laughs) it's it's a a dragon secret weapon Mm -hmm. um yeah no that's that's super cool and and not only that, just from a damage standpoint, you also get something really cool called Divine Smite. Mm-hmm. And this lets you expend spell slots to do extra weapon damage. And you can do, like, you can get some pretty big stuff because at level two, once you get your first spell slots, you can expend a spell slot uh, on a weapon hit to do an extra 2d8 damage and then an extra 1d8 up to 5d8 for every level spell slot that you choose, the higher level spell slot you choose to expend. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if the target is an undead or fiend, you get to add another d8. Yeah, that is that's a lot of damage. That's a massive hit of damage right there. I mean, there I've heard stories of people playing as a paladin in an, an undead campaign and like when is their turn? It's just over. I mean, just hands down, it's over. Because not only do they get divine smite, which I mean, it it grows as you level up, which you know a lot of these abilities do. Like at eleven, you get improved divine smite, which yeah, it, it just it just happens at that point. All of your melee weapon strikes just have divine power within them. Just that's it. Just you you get that automatic one d eight anyway but on top of that too you get an extra attack once you get up to what is it level five yeah level five yeah, gives level you five. your second attack so i mean you're just a a righteous damage dealing machine just, yes i was trying to think of something just terrifying but i'm like no most paladins are right and just so terrifying might not be the right word unless you're undead or like a fiend of some sort yeah. And that actually and that actually brings up a good point because from a for the most part from a paladin perspective, um paladins will normally have a deity mm-hmm. that you choose, and paladins normally will swear to some sort of and it even talks about this just straight in the class page, some sort of cause of righteousness. Yes. Howden swears to uphold justice and righteousness, to stand with the good things of the world against the encroaching darkness, and to hunt the forces of evil wherever they lurk. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can do that, and a lot of different motivations that can come from that. But for 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 the most part, that's kind of what the essence of a paladin is when you're coming up with your character's backstory mm-hmm. and if you want to make your character that class that's kind of the mindset to be thinking of for for that type of character exactly and i mean as we kind of go through like looking at some of the different oaths and everything there's surprisingly a lot of variety to it too which is something that because there are so many different subclasses like it, it makes sense you can't have oh well here's the the really you know righteous and, and pious paladin okay that could be all of them but the reason why they're doing what they're doing is so varied that like running with a group of paladins could totally work based on whatever sort of oath you choose totally and oaths um if uh, for, for those who don't know what oaths are they're basically the the subclass options that you get to pick starting at level three. And there's what? One, two, 
eight, nine or ten different uh, nine. There's nine right now. One of them's one of them's still unearthed Arcana, but there's eight official oaths right now. Like that's a lot of variety. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's there's all sorts of different stuff. Oath of, and this these are these are absolutely great for kind of subdefining your character mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And if you are going to make a paladin, I highly suggest you take a look at these oaths kind of off the get go. Yes. Because they can really help you think about what type of character you want your paladin to be and what kind of you're aiming for because all the oaths have essentially different tenets like the oath of conquest um, uh, is paladins who seek glory in battle and subjugate their enemies oath of glory who believe they, they and their companions are destined to achieve glory through the deeds of heroism mm-hmm. right uh, oath of oath of vengeance where they are committed to punishing somebody who has committed this grievous sin yeah, or this, one of the this one, group of people or something. One of the ones, if you want to play something, if you want to be a paladin, but it goes kind of against the grain, um, the, the Oath of Redemption is really interesting and is definitely a very big role play heavy uh, sort of paladin to go with because they are actually, you know, it, it says even here, they're set on a difficult path. This is one requires a holy warrior to use violence only as the last resort. So if you're just going on a dungeon crawl, maybe don't choose this one. But the idea of, you know, like the reluctant warrior, if you're really looking for something along those lines, choose this. This is something that is interesting to, to, to play with and everything. You're using violence as a last resort, but when you do bring that violence, you are like just a master at it. it, it it's really, really intriguing. I kind of like that idea. Oh, for sure. And you know how we talked initially about Paladins having this righteous cause and stuff? Well, there is one more option. And this is for the character. We, there's, there's the Oath of Vengeance for seeking vengeance against some specific thing. There's the Oath of Redemption for maybe a sin you've committed or something you're trying to atone for. But then there's the Oath Breaker. And this is a paladin who breaks his or her sacred oath to pursue some dark ambition or serve an evil power. And this is not, uh, this is not necessarily a subclass you'd want to take lightly mm-hmm. because it is very evilly aligned in a lot of respects. So you have to make sure... Uh, that this is something that you want for your character and something that will work still within your party. Exactly. Because we haven't talked a whole lot about like evil campaigns or we haven't talked a ton about alignments, but you have to be, you have to be really careful when running a group that is, does not have all like neutral and good aligned Mm -hmm. players because you can get into shenanigans or uh, butting heads or weird stuff 
really fast if you if the whole party is not on board uh and you and you need to be extra careful to play that character without isolating or um making the game unfun for other people Mm -hmm. exactly and one of the things too is that if this is something that you potentially might want to play you could always start out as one of the you know other oaths in the game work with your dm and you could go through have an event where you have to you know turn aside your oath you need to break that you know it might not even make you you know fully evil but it still gives you access to you know, a, a different type of, yeah, of changing your of subclass potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, it's a very interesting. I love that they've included it because paladins are so built around this cause and this this oath of you know whatever. Mm-hmm. And so having a paladin that has broken their oath is a is a super huge deal. It could be a very big character moment, um, and it could be a very interesting story point when played right. Exactly. Like I'm looking at the the oath of the crown where you're really um, sworn to the ideals of a certain civilization, fealty to a, a certain sovereign, something along those lines. What happens if that nation turns evil? Switch up to be an oath breaker. You know, the, it, it gives you kind of an out to again, try something different or really drive your own personal story, especially if you, you know, as a character, don't agree with something that's going on. Like, for some reason, the only thing that comes to mind in my head is, you know, Captain America in the Civil War, like either Captain America Civil War, the movie, or in the Civil War comic series. You know, it's like, he's this, this, this righteous dude who's, you know, doing everything he can, who serves this nation, and then turns his back on it because he doesn't agree with what's going on. You know, he's still a, a just character, but the the story's flipped where he's you know gone against that at that point yeah no i think that's i think that's a great example for a way you could run something like that just know that from a subclass standpoint mm-hmm. it's the the oathbreaker is definitely the the stuff you get from it the spells the attributes oh, yeah. are definitely geared <laughs> definitely geared a little more towards the uh the evilness so uh so that's just something but yeah you all the subclasses are very interesting you get um extra spells you'll get extra abilities you'll get extra ways to use your your divine sense um so definitely check those out like we said when you're thinking of building your paladin because Mm -hmm. those are very core to a paladin um more so than i would say most subclasses for for other classes uh and how you would you would build a paladin so definitely give those a look over as you're coming up with your concept um one of the other cool things that i like about paladins uh is they have a few spells that are unique to them only Mm -hmm. and i think one of the coolest ones of those is the second level fine steed and the fourth level fine greater steed so these are really cool think of it because 
I, I love the the fantasy of you know the the warrior and his mount. Yeah. Right. Um very, very cool very, very cool fantasy uh of that type of thing. And so this allows you to summon this this spirit that will take the form of a certain animal. Uh, usually one that's one size larger than you, so you can actually ride it. Mm-hmm. Um, the steed gets the statistics of the form. It can be a celestial fay or fiend, your choice. Um, intelligence automatically becomes six. It can understand you. It serves as your mount in and out of combat, which is super cool. And when it drops to zero hit, and it can be hurt, and it can attack. And when it drops to zero hit points, it disappears, and you can resummon it. And when it's within a mile of you, you can communicate with it telepathically. Which super, cool. super cool. It's like, it's like find familiar on steroids. Because <laughs> it can actually do a bunch of stuff at the same time. And, com- and it becomes almost another character for you Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways because it is for all intents and purposes, a more permanent aspect of your, your class and character. Yep. And when you get those fourth level spells, you get the very, very much upgraded find greater steed. There's some cool stuff in greater steed. Yeah. Griffin, Pegasus, uh, a, Periton, no idea what that is. Uh, dire wolf, rhinoceros, or a saber-toothed tiger. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, still very like a, cool. A lot of the same stuff, you know. Um, you know, within a mile, can communicate telepathically and everything. I mean, it's this is cool stuff. And what's even better, not a concentration spell. That's important. Yep, that's that's big. It's kind of just permanent yeah it's like a it's it's it's, like i said it's a it's fine familiar on steroids so really 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 cool thing um so if you're if you're interested in creating a character kind of with with that type of background those type of ideals definitely check out the paladin class Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of variety and a lot of different things that you could do with it that would make some very very cool characters Exactly. Um, any other paladin tips, tricks, uh, things you wanted to point out, Ben? Um, just going back to the Oathbreaker really quick. Uh, if you're really wanting to see what a good evil version of an Oathbreaker could be, uh, check out Archon. It's uh, Joe Magniolo's, I totally butchered his last name, but doesn't matter. Um, his Oathbreaker paladin barbarian that he's been playing for forever that is now canon in uh, Wizards of the Coast. It is... Yeah, Some he's in descent cool into Avernus. Yes. <laughs> he's very, a very cool. bad dude, too. But, uh, I mean, if you want to look at, at like, a good end goal for a, an evil Oathbreaker Paladin, that is a very good end goal. Yeah, and there's actually official D&D material you can look at for it, too. Mm-hmm. Stat blocks and everything. So, yeah. um, Joe's really uh, created a huge storyline for that character, um, that character even appeared in uh, first season of Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a guest on there several times. So if you're 
watching that or have never watched that, uh, you can look that up and kind of see uh, his him playing his Oathbreaker Paladin. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. All right, so community content shout out, and so this is this is one of the things uh, I was talking about, kind of veering back a little bit to the economy discussion. This uh, community content shout out is a compilation, an incredible compilation, really, mm-hmm. by Sedoro. Uh, Sedoro. Uh, it comes from Giant in the Playground Forum. And he has posted what is called Sane Magic Item Prices. And so he, it's available in PDF form. If you want to download it, we'll have the link in the show notes on dndiscussions.com. But he essentially, using the Dungeon Master's Guide as kind of a guideline, has actually priced everything in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And he's also given uh, potential guidelines for gold per day, special ingredients, players choosing loot, um, like, and then just kind of what things might be worth. And if you're looking for a place to start, this list is actually a really good place to start because you can kind of get an idea um, of like what's good. Uh, he even talks about, I love, I love the, the first few paragraphs because we talked about magic items last week. And one of the magic items I was talking about was the wing boots. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking about how the wing boots are just so much better as an uncommon item than a lot of the stuff that is super rare, super expensive. Uh, Potion of flying is very rare, worth 50,000 gold or something. A hundred times what an item that gives precisely the same effect four times every single day forever does. (laughs) And so uh, there's, there's a lot of those types of things that are pointed out. A few of the the items will have notes beside them. Um, So if, again, you don't have to use it, but if you're interested uh, or if you want a, a starting point, uh, or if you your players come and ask about a certain item and you're not sure about how good it is, um, this is a great reference to start with. Yeah, just kind of scrolling through and looking at some of these, it's I really wish that I'd had this on that second session when they went into the magic shop because this would have been absolutely fantastic. But I mean, looking at um, you know some of these these prices and everything, and even converting it into the Ben's idea of how much gold is worth and everything, it kind of makes sense because I mean a lot of these things are definitely uh, you know magical, so a lot of time and enchantment and materials have gone into them. But even more so just it, it gives it a really good worth and the they're pr- these things are priced out really well actually i'm i'm uh, pretty impressed yeah it's a it's a great reference a great great starting point at the very least um and there's lots of good written up stuff if you're interested in uh some of the economy 
type mm -hmm. things, um, there's, there's good explanation provided. So if you're looking for help or looking for assistance or about to start a campaign and want an idea to go off of, this is a great list. Yeah. And, so check and that out. like Ryan said, we'll definitely have a link to that in the uh, show notes. So check that out. Cause man, this is really thorough too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Cool. Um, yeah. So we're at that point in the show again, before we <laughs> wrap up, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we've been doing in our games recently. Yeah. So uh, I got to ask, what have you been doing in yours? I mean, you, you kind of had the, the end of an arc and everything and, and uh, what, what's been uh, happening since then. So my main campaign right now, uh, for those, for those that don't know or don't follow me on Twitter or haven't heard, I have, I have a baby coming soon. So scheduling and <laughs> time and availability is very much up in the air. What? Um, I thought those things were scheduled. I know, right? Crazy. And so uh, my main campaign, we, we finished our huge arc. They got their, their kind of lore dump. And we're basically prepping for this, this downtime session. And so I've been talking to each of the players individually, kind of talking to them as a collective, seeing what they want to do. And so I'm currently planning this next session that's going to happen um, early July. I, I think July 12th is when we have our, our next scheduled scheduled time once uh schedules clear up a little bit and all the the craziness is over um and so i'm going to take basically all those things that we talked about and i'm going to run them in either narrated form or mini mini play period form where we're going to jump around Mm -hmm. to, to different people, uh, individuals, small groups, the whole group, that type of thing. It's going to be a very unique session. And the hope is out of that session, then the group will decide out of this two or three weeks of downtime, the group will decide then what they want to try and accomplish or go do or tackle next. And then that will basically be the beginning of the the next arc of of this campaign well that sounds as, like a lot of fun yeah and as we push into essentially tier three uh as my player my players are level nine right now um and and you know moving moving towards 10 and so we're starting to get into the higher tiers of play we're not quite there yet but um a lot of the big stuff that they might go and tackle is, is starting to be a bit like, like region affecting. Um, so there's, there's, there should be some really interesting potential uh, in, in what we can do. So that's, that's kind of in the planning stages as far as, as playing goes. Um, I've been DMing uh, a session or two for, four or five brand new people. None yeah. of them had ever played before. So that's actually been, been super fun. I ran them through a one shot that I made that is in my world. And I've ran several groups 
through a, a similar one shot to that. I ran actually our plus five to hit group through uh, a version uh, of that one shot as well. And so it's been fun. To, it's, it's kind of fun to run the same one shot with different groups of people because mm -hmm. you never know what the people are actually going to do given the <laughs> same ish set of circumstances uh, and stuff. So that's, that's been really fun. And I was really glad I got to, to introduce them. And so, uh, and then the other, the other big one, it's, it's a more, this, this episode is just more upcoming stuff. Uh, I have my game that I play in tomorrow night. Okay. So we've got, uh, we're in the, the big skit, the big city. Uh, we've got a potential arena battle with, uh, against a group named Bastions Bastions. <laughs> They, they, they sound like real pricks. Um, oh, yeah. Well, look, any sort of group like that usually is. Yeah. So we're going so to take them on and try to impress uh, some nobles so we can get into this fancy party to do some kind of detective work on this, um, this dude that's been potentially involved in very shady things. Gotcha. So that's... Who knows what's actually going to happen tomorrow, but that's, that's at least the intention and idea. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens for that next time. Extra memory core. But what about you? Uh, have you guys played since last time we, we chatted? Oh man. Yes. Um, a lot of it, it was a nice uh, RP session and uh, you know, kind of just around about town and everything. I, had no idea that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a, a pretty quick, uh, okay, we're in the city, found out this information, in, information or whatever, and then just get out of there. But no, they, I mean, they paid for a week at the end. So I'm like, okay, you pay for a week. This is, well, this is the cloud week. city. Yeah, this right? is the cloud city. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so they, they found out that it was made of clouds and everything. And uh, I don't know if anybody was super impressed by that, but I still think it was really cool. So <laughs> I'm going with that. But um, so they met up with the the basically in the Temple of Bahamut uh, to figure out kind of what's going on with this cult that's been popping up uh, that the, the the Mad Wizard was a part of. They know that they worship this this kind of like demigod that's basically created the world, but is going to destroy it to recreate it in a more perfect way. But it's been you know destroyed and created multiple times by this the, by this demigod oh, i hate that yeah and so because of that he and like his minions were locked away in the abyss so this cult is worshiping him you know trying to release him to 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 have him come back because you know they want to live in this perfect world which it was a real kind of challenge to figure out, okay, why would these people want to bring some, something back that's just going to destroy the world? You know, it's like every evil cartoon character wants to destroy the world, but they live there. So why would they want to? So, you know, they've been promised that they're going to be going to a new perfect world. So, you know, some sort of logic in there. It's crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah. it's logic. It's crazy. It's crazy logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, they turned over the, the materials, the, like the research materials in the journal and stuff that they found in the Mage Tower to the, the group. Um, the, the shopkeeper who used to be an adventurer who you know, runs the, the, the magic shop in the three towns that they've been to is there kind of as a surprise because 
when they name dropped this this you know demigod's name before they left she's like that name's familiar and you know so she's there kind of researching giving more information and stuff so you know she got that information you're like okay let's meet back tomorrow we'll figure out you know a, a course of action something something new to do and then they kind of went their separate ways did their own thing um you know had some fun little rp sessions with uh, I, I you know made up a, a fun blacksmith who you know cleaned up the paladin's armor because you know she found it in a crypt and it kind of still smelled like death and stuff and um the the uh, the, the bard, the rogue, and then our new uh, sorcerer friend, they kind of went, you know, on a little shopping spree and, um, it, you know, we're looking for warm clothes because, hey, this place is in a snow-covered mountain, so it's cold. <laughs> um, and then, let's see, the, the warlock went off. He kind of found, surprisingly, a small shrine to his patron, which is a little odd. And then the cleric who had found this 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 mace um in the, the mad wizard's tower that actually had symbols of his god and everything on it so he went to his deity's temple the the temple of Corallon, to find out you know if there's any any more information you know research it and see what he can figure out and it turns out that this mace of the life giver is what's known as a relic of creation basically I got to throw in some some exposition and, and lore and everything about the creation Ooh, of the world. So I was really excited about this. And so it's funny because it's just a section after what I was planning them to research and find, but I'm like, okay, I'll tell it out of order, whatever. So the gods had had this demigod create this world because there was a whole um, in the pantheon, a whole debate over you know, mortals in good and evil and which one prevails and everything. Because looking out over the entire material plane, you know, some worlds were, were good, some were evil. And, you know, the, the idea of let's figure out which one is actually, you know, best. You know, the, the, the age-old morality fight between gods, essentially. So, you know, they, they created the world, they were going to populate it, and then they were going to just, like, have no influence whatsoever to see what happened. So, of course, the evil gods went in and started influencing it. The good gods found this out, went in and started influencing it until it finally, you know, broke into just all-out war between the heavens and, you know, the, the hells or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And each, each god of the pantheon, well, not the neutral ones who were supposed to be the judges in the first place, but each of the good gods and each of the, the evil gods gave relics to their chosen warrior you know their angels and demons fighting on land with mortals and everything so there's this huge god uh called or this this huge war called the war of souls and these relics are left over that were used by the champions the the angels and the demons and everything it's not known if any of them ever survived and this is the first one that's popped up in who knows how long so He's got this Very like, cool. insanely cool mace that um, apparently, according to legend, that um, if he is his, you know, deity's chosen person, it's going to kind of level up with him and grow in power and stuff and, and unlock new abilities as time goes on. So, And you know I like those things. Yes, I do. And they're really cool, too. I'm like, yep. got to do something like this. So. 
Yeah, I love it. Love it. But uh, yeah, I just, I had a whole lot of fun creating something that I'll never see. But in my mind, I have this whole huge, like, war that happened between these deities and stuff. And it's neat because now I'm, I'm starting to look at my, my world map and kind of looking at, okay, well, this area could be this giant scar from something that happened. And over here could be, you know, the idea of battles and stuff. And uh, I, I need to go through and, and come up with different artifacts from all of these different gods and decide whether they exist, where they exist and, and, and all the stuff. So like I've given myself a lot more homework to do, but it's really cool, interesting, like creating legends that I'm having a lot of fun with. So I'm, I'm looking forward to expanding upon that more. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and I was, I was talking about this, uh, that kind of thing with a, with a friend a little earlier today, as a, as a DM, it's not a bad thing to create a bunch of backstory type stuff or Mm -hmm. create a bunch of detail if you want to. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do it knowing that just go into it knowing that it may never come up. Yes, in, that's very in specific, important. <laughs> in a specific campaign, it may never come up. So just know that some of it may be for you only. Mm-hmm. But that's not a bad thing because that can actually then help you figure other things out that your players may interact with. Or it may come up in a, a lore dump. Or it may uh, drive the creation of a specific area, even if the backstory to that area never comes up mm-hmm. with the players, you've got that, like this place is the scar from this battle uh, of the gods. Yeah. They never come up with the players, but they'll see the aftermath of it and you will know the backstory behind it, which will allow you to better present it. In exactly. Game. And the the thing that, I don't know if surprises me is the right word or not, but the, the thing that I'm, I'm really happy about is that this entire like history and backstory and everything came from the fact that I made a one shot about a dude who was in a cult who was raising dead or raising zombies to attack a town. And just based on that small thing, I created his, his, thing that he worships and then grew that and then added more story to it and it it it's just one of the neat things about how much fun you can have you know creatively as a dm to just take the tiniest little thing and grow it into something else like the 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 mace itself is one that i recycled from a a different game where i was a cleric and i was talking to uh, in my character creation, the DM's like, oh yeah, and give yourself this, you know, just a, a mace and everything. I'm like, oh, can I make it light up if, uh, you know, just because? And he's like, sure. And then I took that, altered it, changed it, and now I'm turning into a relic in my world. And Awesome. I love, I love taking stuff. I, mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about this before. A lot of times my retired characters that I've played mm-hmm. will end up as NPCs in my world. Oh yeah. In some, in some way, shape or form or uh, special things that I've gotten or used in other games may end up in my world in some way, shape or form. So that's, that's just another fun thing that you can do uh, to kind of 
as the the legacy of of your characters or you know that type of thing mm-hmm. yeah and the neat extra, thing about extra it too, fun yeah and the neat thing about it too is that those things add more weight to you you're so much more familiar with it so it's a lot easier to get in and role play with it or you know fill in gaps that you need to even if it's something you haven't created before you could just throw something in there based off of little things that you've known and uh, it it it's worked out really well so far in this story and again everybody seems to be pretty happy with what's going on so cool yeah, as long as you're having fun and your players are having fun that's all that matters exactly um that is our show for this week thank you everyone for listening uh we love you all and before we go ben why don't you tell people where we can be reached Definitely. Uh, if you have any uh, really cool economy ideas or uh, want to tell us a story about the Paladin that you played and uh, you need a long form way to do it, make sure to send those emails to dndiscussions at gmail.com. We love getting email. We love uh, hearing your stories and also any sort of tips or tricks or uh, any cool stuff that you guys have found. Definitely enjoy that. But if you just want to kind of hit us up, say hi, or uh, you know, give us a little feedback or talk some D&D over Twitter, you can do that as well. Uh, the show itself is at DN Discussions. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. And Ryan, if people are looking for you on Twitter, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at TBKZord. Exactly. Now, if you want to go and find the, the uh, same magic item prices that we talked about earlier, make sure to head up and hit head up and hit, I don't know what I'm saying. Make sure to head over and hit up dndiscussions.com. Uh, you can find all of our episodes there as well as our notes that have all of our community pages as well as uh, check us out on you know iTunes, Google, Spotify, all those places where you can find this very show if this is the first episode you've heard and you want to hear more, which yeah. if you do, thanks. We got 24 more. Exactly. Uh, uh, this, it, is, this is like our milestone episode. It kind of is. Yeah, big 2-5. Uh, but then, last but not least, if you want to hear us actually playing D&D, uh, check out Plus 5 to Hit. We're both on that show. We play some, uh, if I'm, I may be so bold, some fun and interesting characters. And uh, we're going through, getting close to wrapping up Season 2 on that. And uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the future with potentially different arcs and more fun stuff coming. That's right. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. And... Until next time, take care. Yep. And don't forget, be good to each other. Bye, everybody.